Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Today, uh, we've been also getting a lot of requests to go back and watch another episode. Apparently, people enjoy this sort of thing. We really we enjoy it, too, because I'll tell you, I mean, I don't go back and watch Finding Bigfoot episodes unless I'm with you now for the podcast. Um, and we've been getting a lot of requests for us to go back and do another earlier one. So we've dug through the archives um, on Discovery+. Plus. Uh, and, and again, Discovery Plus is that streaming service for Discovery. Um, I think it's still six bucks a month, I think. Um, so basically, if you buy a beer and tip appropriately, you've already spent that money. So yeah, if you have Discovery Plus, and we're gonna, that's where we're going to be watching it. And even if you don't have Discovery Plus, we'll be talking you through the episode as we watch it. Um, so you can you know reach back into your memory banks and remember what was going on. And you can hear Bobo and I talking about what happened behind the scenes or uh, heckling ourselves on camera, all that sort of stuff. So this is one of those episodes today. And today we're going to be doing Fishing for Bigfoot in Oregon. That's season one, episode, I think, four, if I remember right? Yeah, four. Yeah, that we where we go investigate that uh, the Mackenzie River footage, and I think we eventually end our way, uh, find our way back to Malala for some uh, stuff. We get some really cool vocalizations towards the uh, end of the program here, so uh, spoiler alert, I guess. Oh, now you're going to have to listen. Uh, lucky, I just freed up an hour of all your times, by the way, because now you don't have to listen. We, you know we get vocalizations at the end of it. Dang it, Cliff, you're a spoiler. I know, I know. I just ruined everything, but maybe some of the some, maybe some people still listen to to the rest of us for it. So the way we do it, um, if you, if you don't remember the last episode we did like this, is basically we're gonna count down three, two, one, push or now or I'll say something. So when I get to that word, the push or the now or whatever, that's when you push play or that's when you push stop. And that way you'll be watching at approximately the same time as Bobo and I, because we can't show you the episode. That's trademark things and Discovery and Animal Planet love us, but they don't love us that much. So um, we're just go to the Discovery Plus and get their service because it's worth it anyway. And then just watch the episode along with us. And no, we don't get paid by Discovery. No, we're, we have Discovery Plus because we have Discovery Plus. It's not a matter of us getting you know paid for this or something like that. So go find Fishing in, for Bigfoot in Oregon, Season 1, Episode, probably 4 or something like that. And uh, here we go. All right, so I, I, I'm assuming that's as ready as you're going to be. So Squatch Coteers, are you ready? I just heard a yes from the ether. Okay, three, two, one, play. All right, so here's the introduction with our with our fantastic narrator. It's kind of going over the scenes. Looks like we're going to Oregon this week. Oh, that oh yeah, the the BFRO led by Matt Moneymaker. Remember that, Bobes, when they still said that we were BFRO members? 
Yeah. Of course, we're not. Um, Matt is, of course, but the rest of us, we're independent. I mean, we work with the BFRO. We've got nothing against the BFRO, but I could, speaking for myself, I just don't join groups, you know? Yeah. Any, anybody who says I'm in their group, um, yeah, I, I may help them out with something, but that, that might be a stretch, really. I'm not in any groups. I don't get along well with other people, you know? Uh, this is bringing back some memories now. This is over 10 years ago now. Yeah, we filmed this in in February 2011, which of course is over 10 years ago. I was so stoked to go there. That was this was a great one. Yeah, yeah. And of course, um, you know, this is all first season stuff, so we're like learning the ropes at this point. We didn't have a well, we may have had a format at this point because we filmed this one after after the the Georgia and Florida and all that stuff. I think this was the second to last one that we filmed, I believe. You're right. Thirteen hundred reported, about ten million sightings. Yeah. Yeah, that's important because, I mean, as, no matter how good of a database the BFRO is, what do you think, Bobo? They probably have 1%? No. My, for my personal, uh, from what I've seen talking to people and reading reports, it's about 1 in 400. Cause, yeah, cause I'm not sure. I'd have to go look at the BFRO database for Clackamas County, where I am right now in Oregon. And I think they have like, I don't know, 13 or 20 maybe. But gosh, in the last year and a half, um, two years, at the museum alone, we have something like 150 reports. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to, in the last 30 plus years, I've talked to over over probably 3,000 people within 50 miles of me that have had an encounter or sighting. There's that uh, video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're looking at the McKenzie footage um, where the fly fishermen were going down river in a drift boat, I believe, and they filmed a dark figure on the left-hand side of the river as they're floating by, and they thought that maybe it was a Sasquatch. Look at the young uh, Finding Bigfoot crew. Yeah, we got to get Renee on here. I reached out to her, so she should be coming on here pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, Renee needs. I think she would enjoy this. I don't, I don't know what we talk about with like Bigfoot and stuff. A man, I know she'd have a lot to say with finding Bigfoot. Moneymaker. <laughs> Short hair, no mustache. Who is that guy? He has a mustache. Yeah, I guess he's got a mustache buried in that beard. Yeah, and of course, this is at a fish ladder. Um, I guess that's the rapids um, where they filmed this thing on the McKenzie River. Um, down, yeah, McKenzie River kind of flows into the, the the Eugene area. So if you go to Eugene and hang a left, if you're heading south, and go up into the mountains, that's where this whole area is. And a ton of stuff comes out of here. Look at you, Bubs. It's hard to. <laughs> Yeah, at that point of year, man, the, that water was flowing. Yeah, a lot of people like uh, back east and stuff where it you know, kind of just rains and then the, the water comes up for us. Our big water is when the snow melts in the spring, early summer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's no joke, man. I mean, uh, the, the Mackenzie River has a lot of water flowing through that thing. 
Um, so yeah, these, these fly fishermen guys too, like from the fly shop, I forget the name of the fly shop, but, um, they're, they go down this river like daily sometimes in their guiding trips. These guys are badasses. Dude, how awesome is their job? Pretty good, man. Almost as awesome as ours. Yeah. There they are. Oh yeah. So February. Yeah. Let's go whitewater rafting in February. Thanks production company. <laughs> yeah, Chris, there he is. Chris and Matt. Yeah, Matt Sansbury. That's right. That's the name I remember. Yeah, so we're interviewing the witnesses right now, or at least the fly fishing uh, shop owners and fly fishermen, showing a little bit extra footage as of them going down cr- the the river there. The fly, I think the fly shop still is in existence in Eugene. They should be. I mean, it was a great shop. Have you fished the Mackenzie? No, I never have fished the Mackenzie. You know, it's hard to fish anywhere else when the, you know, the Sandy River's real close and the Clackamas and all these local rivers. Yeah, Renee talked about fly fishing it. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's fished that. I mean, she said she did. Okay, so yeah, the, right now the fly fishing guys are just talking to us about their observations and what they normally see when they're going down the river. And they say that they don't see a lot of people in this area. When I went over there for the recreation, I found like fire pits and well, really well-worn trails and litter and stuff. So people definitely went there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had actually done um, an investigation. You can read it read about it on the web, on my website, not the museum website, but cliffberrickman.com. And uh, I shot a little video at the area. This is before... We actually went to the site. This is um, before we filmed Finding Bigfoot. So I'd already kind of come to the conclusion that this may not be a Bigfoot. Like we're looking at something that may not be a Bigfoot in this in this film. And then they asked me to do the the episode about the film. And I go, well, I've already come to my own conclusions and they, they didn't seem to mind. So we got to go do it again. But I thought this was a great opportunity because I knew they were going to put us down the river in a raft where we can take photographs from the same position or real close. Because when I was there in the summer, um, I had to I had to get out there uh, with waders. My friend Will got out there with raider with waders, and we took shots as close as we could, but we couldn't get to the deep part of the water where the actual footage was taken. Yeah, I was pretty stoked that I didn't get in the raft that day. I bet, I bet. I was I was kind of excited to get in, but that excitement did not last long. Um, shortly after I got into the raft in the full dry suit and all that other stuff, I couldn't feel anything, let alone excitement. Remember, like the biggest helmet I had was like medium large, and my biggest head was just squished. Oh yeah, yeah. When my my head was, you know, I've got a big noggin, man. So my head was squeezed in there too. I just remember my maker, like I just remember them like having to force it on, like it was like a struggle to get it on. It's like. I was totally in pain, uncomfortable, just hating it. Oh man, that was looking at this. It was so unpleasant to be in there. <laughs> yeah, it is good. It is great habitat. Yeah, so a lot of shots uh, going down the river there, and. It was so hard to even talk at that. I mean, towards the end of the float, man, I could I could barely speak. I was so cold. You know, you get so cold, your brain freezes up. And for me, that could be like fifty degrees. <laughs> the air was like mid twenties that day, high twenties or something. Oh yeah, I just froze. There you're behind the rocks from the perspective of the road there. 
you have to do a size comparison if you have a video of you with you know known fixed points you can get in there it's so important and if you can use the same camera that's even better because focal point changes everything the focal point of the lens there he is there's bobo being the bigfoot look at that perfect perfect again bobo Stand there and look f***ing big. Whoops. <laughs> you did a fantastic job. Stand there and look like a primitive ape man. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it was pretty sketchy. Like, Boba just asked me, of course, on camera, like, how was it holding the camera? It's like, well, I was doing the best job I could, but, but you know, like, you're in the water. You know, the last thing I wanted was to go in that water. So and I, and of course I've got control issues, so I'm looking to make sure we're not going to hit any rocks and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was gnarly. That was a, a heck of a way to start the, the 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 fighting Bigfoot show, doing sketchy stuff in the middle of winter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the creature or the figure was about six six and a half feet. You know what's weird? I can't really hear our dialogue on the sh on the screen. Uh, turn up the volume on your computer. No, oh, no, no. Turn up the volume on Discovery Plus. There's a little thing next to the um, the scroll bar. You can do that on. Oh, okay. I was using my computer and microphone. Yeah, I think later uh, analysis of this footage um, showed that the thing that whatever that dark figure is, it seems to be a person wearing a hat. It's just bad lighting, it seems. So I, I'm strongly inclined to think that this is actually just a dude on the side of the river, especially after after going there and finding there's a campsite there with a parking area. You know, you can pull off or fire pits, like you were saying. Was, I mean, was, you can see like he's wearing a backpack or something. Or there's a jacket line. His arms are too short. Yeah, I'm inclined to think that is not a Bigfoot. I know the fly fisherman guys, they wanted it to be one, but I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> Look at that. Okay. Well, okay, Matt's saying that even though this, whether or not the figure is a Sasquatch, there are still sightings in the area, and he's absolutely correct. A ton of stuff happens up the Mackenzie River. I did a speaking event last year, and I think the year before, up at Mackenzie Bridge, which, and of course, that whole community got burned out last year with the fires, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's terrible. But those, I got 10 sightings probably from doing those two jobs. Looks like a backpacker right there, Cliff. Could be. It is a great area, though. I've really, I've always really liked the Mackenzie. So beautiful there, man. It was pretty that night, although it was pretty cold.
Yeah, so Bobo now, for the people at Homer, is, is explaining how he's had a lot of good luck in storms because uh, Sasquatches use the, the, the sound as cover to approach closely. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Bobes? Uh, I was in the redwoods mostly. But yeah, I mean, when the, you know, the big drops coming down, especially in those trees, like two, 300 feet tall, those drops coming down get a lot of momentum and get pretty big. So you, they, you hear, then all of a sudden you hear snapping, like branches breaking. When it got heavier, like or the wind picked up and the really got loud, you'd hear them come in. And then there's that one we did in uh, Tahoe area, Sierra Nevada, where we had that raging storm. We had a we had a, uh, good calls come up to us, and then West Virginia we had calls in that storm. Yeah, I would think the Sasquatches are very aware of the sounds around them, especially since, I don't know, Bubs, if you've noticed this as well, but um, over the years, it seems to me that Sasquatches like to hang out in areas that are just deadly quiet so they can keep track of everything that's going on in the area, right? Um, so they would have to notice the opposite and realize the advantage that gives them for moving around, where they don't have to be as careful, um, remaining completely silent at all times. Especially there's like a loud river or creek, though. Definitely use that. There's a good cliff warming up. Yeah, my high shrieky shrill thing. I haven't heard you do that one in years. It's been a while. And of course, at this point, the show is still new and everybody was just going like, what are these idiots doing? I think there still are a lot of people. <laughs> Probably. You're probably right. I think I just have a louder voice. Yeah. So, yeah, what is, that is a debate. Like, do the low-pitched ones go further or do the high-pitched ones go further? It seems to me that the high ones go further. Well, that's what science says, right? Science, that's what science would say. I don't know. I don't know. Because I would think that the low-pitched ones, would they have low, low less energy. But see, I don't, I don't know. There's a, there comes a point eventually, like when you get to the infrasonic range at least, that the, the wavelengths go through like barriers and are, are, you know, they can travel better. So I don't, know, I don't know where that is. So maybe we have some, uh, what is it, audiologists, people who study sound, listening? I kind of doubt we do, but maybe we do. Maybe they would have an answer, in which case you can email us. Um, just go to the website, bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com and hit contact. And let us know what you know about um, vocalizations, which ones go further. Okay, Renee, Renee saw a hot spot on the therm. Turns out to be an elk. That's what we have here. Oh, yeah. It's possible that the uh, <clears throat> sometimes they'll, the, the way they edit it, they'll keep showing like the ambiguous shot and not show the shot where you can see like it on four legs. This is kind of a dead night, though. I remember walking around out there, and it was snowing, and then it was raining, and it was cold, and there's nothing going on. It was real quiet out there at that time. Really quiet. Here we are four minutes later, and people go, oh, you gave up too early. Well, forget you, man. We were out there for like four or five hours. No, we were back then we were doing at least six. Yeah, it was a long time, man. These night investigations went on, sometimes when it was slow, just dragged on and on and on. 
I mean, yeah, in the winter times we'd get out there at dark at like six thirty seven. We wouldn't come back till four or whatever. Yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough gig, you know. Look at that! You can totally see that it's a total person. Yeah, I sure think it was a person. Oh, look at that lousy map they used first season. <laughs> they sure got better at that. That's really bad. Yeah, all this B-roll here, like going through the bridge and everything, that is the Mackenzie Bridge area. Are we going to Toby's? Uh, that went to that pizza place. Um, it w- um, Bigfoot and Brow, whatever. Yeah, Bigfoot and Bruise, I think. And he had a he has a Bigfoot statue that's still there. In fact, it's still there today. Yeah, um, I drove by there last year at some point. Ike's Pizza, that's right. Ike's Pizza. They have a lot of Bigfoot stuff inside there. I think a handful of casts and a, a big uh, Bigfoot that I think you're going to see here in a moment on on the screen if I remember right. There it is. There it is. This is a good one. It ain't no Murphy, but that's a good one. That's the silhouette of the shape I saw when I had my first sighting. Just like that build. Yeah, same build, like smaller head, not the giant head everyone talks about. Yeah, we're still doing all the introductions because the audience didn't know us yet. A couple seasons down the line, we didn't bother introducing anybody. Those were our best witnesses, though, the ones that showed up and didn't know who we were. <laughs> right, the early days. They weren't trying to get on TV. They just wanted to share their story. That kid's probably out of college now. Probably. Unless he's on the Bobo nine-year plan. <laughs> What's the hurry? Oh, yeah, there's that, that um, Mary is that woman's name. We chose her as one of the witnesses, but... Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I, she saw a Sasquatch. Uh, there's Mark. Yeah, one of the Malala guys. Have you talked to him at all? I haven't talked to him in a long time. Oh, and there's um, Ori, Ori uh, Innes, and his son Steve. I haven't talked to either of those guys in a long time either. I, th- I think Ori might have passed by now, um, but Steve's still around down there. He was down in Silverton last time I talked to him. I think you're right. Yeah, good guy. There's Rusty. Yeah, he's a fisherman. He's got some mutual friends. He's been in the shop a couple times. He's a good dude. Yeah, his uh, sighting was pretty fresh, which is one of the reasons we pulled him in. I don't think there was any witnesses that I went out with that I didn't like. Yeah, one of the neat things about the show is meeting so many good people. Yeah, there's that cast that Will cast at right after uh, um, Rusty saw that one. Was that a gunner in the background? Uh, no, I don't see gunner in there. Or uh, Chris, right? The Malala. Malala is a great Bigfoot spot. A lot of it got burnt out, though, um, with uh, the fires last year, the the 2020 fires. I'm not sure how much of it is recovered. I'm not even sure if the roads are open yet. Yeah, see, that was important. Matt just said that it was out of the snow compared to the Mackenzie River location because Malala doesn't get a lot of snow. It's pretty low elevation. I used to go there a lot during the winter time 
um, just for that very reason. You can get in there and the road's paved. It's a really nice area. You know, it's funny is Paul Gray says where he's at up in out of Wenatchee up there in the backside of Cascades, he said they stay above the snow line where he's at. Really? Yeah, see, I don't see I don't see any reason they'd want to be in the snow. Like there, I know that what Paul's saying is I think cover, and he has talks a lot about the cover, but man, there's so much less food. So yeah, but Paul might be right. He knows his area well, so who am I to say? Once it gets really cold, any meat they kill is not going to spoil. Like the summer, they could have a elk kill last them weeks and weeks. That's true. But I've also heard about them struggling to eat frozen meat from New Mexico. Some of the uh, some of the Navajos are telling me about that. Yeah, they said like, yeah they observed them um, with a frozen carcass and they couldn't really do much with it, like a meat sickle. Here's Mary. Ma- Mary actually is a witness that I investigated her sighting the next day, I believe, after she saw it. Certainly within two days, three days maybe at the most. But um, I, uh, I got called into her report. I met her out at the scene. Um, and I know that Renee didn't think that an animal would behave like that. I think Matt had some doubts about Mary's report too. But I was there, man. I saw the footprints in the ground. Um, I went up in and was wading through the, uh, the, the, the devil's club to get to the footprints. I mean, something passed through there that left 16 inch footprints. So I, I disagree with Matt and Renee on this one strongly. Is that Chris Minier right there? Sure is. Oh, and then this report too. Now this is one of those TV things that kind of made me mad. Um, Rusty did not see his um, Bigfoot on the Malala. I mean, truth be told, he saw it on the Sandy river over by um, Alder Creek in that general area. A lot of reports come out of that particular area, actually, over by uh, Marmont. This wasn't the real spot? No, that is not the real spot, unfortunately. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bum out. I, I talked about it back then. You probably just forgot about it. But yeah, Rusty actually saw his Sasquatch really recently. He was a great witness. He's a legit witness, but then, um, it was pretty recent. But it was not at this location. But we had to play it like it was, which, of course, made it made me mad because I knew where the real thing was. Yeah, that didn't last long. No, no. Oh, I remember, I remember, it's a little side note. I remember that backpack, that backpack right there. Um, I actually had to give that backpack away because Sochi chewed up my friend Bob's backpack and I felt so bad I gave him my backpack. Bob the hippie? Uh, well, kind of. The Bob that works for the, um, the, uh, the Watts Music Conservancy. Yeah, yeah. He works at um, Flea from Red Hot Pe- Red, the Red Hot Chili Peppers band, you know? Flea and um, Norby and all those guys from uh, Fishbone, they have a music school for inner city kids, and uh, Bob is the director of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, the Watts Conservancy of Music, I think is what it's called. But anyway, that's where my backpack is now. A lot of stuff comes out of where Rus- Rusty saw that Sasquatch. Tons of stuff. I love that when you see the redneck guys with their cam, all their camo on, and they got a gold chain, like hip hop style. <laughs> Whoa, look at that. Not until you get to Hawaii. Oh, then they call them little foots, right? Right. Okay, so now we're back with Renee and Matt at Mary's sighting location. I think she was pretty upset, wasn't she, that she thought they didn't believe her? Yeah, she was insulted because I, I went out there and I found she saw the footprints that I pointed. She didn't 
didn't know where they were, but I pointed out, look at this, look at this. She goes, oh yeah, look at that. And um, yeah, it just ran down that hill and she may not have had the best description, you know, maybe they thought she was shady for some reason. I think she's great, but um, I thought, look, look at him. <laughs> He's suspicious. That is rare. It happens at night, but not in the day. Too very, very rare. Matt is, is of course saying that uh, the the idea of this thing running down and then running along the road is they they don't do that. Well, they do that sometimes. Yeah, the bouncing. Uh, yeah, I mean, most locomotion descriptions of them moving is smooth with the head not bobbing. Yeah, well, I think that's a Mary issue more than anything else. I don't think it's a Sasquatch issue. I think it's a Mary issue of uh, the way she's describing it and what she remembers. And again, I, I, I was there literally within a few days of when Mary saw this. There were footprints in the ground on both sides of the road, right where she said they ran. I'm afraid in this case, Matt and Renee are wrong. Um, I'm completely confident she saw a Sasquatch because I tracked it. And again, I have a write-up on that. It's called uh, Road Crossing in Malala. Look at cliffberrickman.com under research. Check it out. See what you think. I remember Max saying, I'm sure she was partying and just hallucinated it. Yeah, I don't think so. She's driving. No, I, I, I talked to her at the meeting. I thought she was legit. Yeah. yeah and again, the footprints were in the ground that she did not find. I found them. I think I didn't know about that being not the right spot till afterwards. Yeah. Well, TV, you know, it, it, the general rules, if, it, if it's on television, don't believe it until you have a reason to believe it. If I said, don't tell Bobo, he'll flip out. <laughs> At that point, you might have. You picked up one of the producers above your head and threw him in the river or something. It came close. Oh, yeah. It came close a couple of times. But yeah, so we're we're kind of recreating the eye shine here. But again, all this stuff happened over at Alder Creek on the Sandy River. How far away were they in, in at the Alder Creek spot? Like from like is it the same distance I was from them at this recreation? Yeah, yeah, the Sandy's about the same size in both spots. The Sandy and the Malala are about the same size river in general. But of course, you know, over at that Alder Creek place, um, so many places, so many Bigfoot things happen at that location because there's a saddle that leads over into Bull Run Watershed right there. All the animals move through there. I got a report just a couple, three weeks ago. I got a report. A woman was in here who lives over in that area, and she saw a Sasquatch walk through her yard like at four in the morning one morning, um, spitting distance from where uh, Rusty saw this thing. Man, that's when I still used to wear Carhartt in for like rain and snow and stuff. I looked back on that. I thought I was like, "Yeah, these guys were on Cortex. What a bunch of wussies!" And when I finally got a down jacket after seven years with you guys, the last two seasons out of down jacket, I was like, "Oh my god, what was I doing?" You're, you're wearing your car. They cards look great. They're warm and everything, but you know, you and your fancy science with your down jackets. Exactly. Yeah, because when I was logging those, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, the rabbit bun bun. 
Yeah, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about Steve and Ori Innes right now, and their friend Mark, um, and, and they had a ton of activity throughout the '90s in Malala because, like, a couple of them, like I'll, I'll say, homeless, although that may not, houseless, although that may not be the right term, because they're kind of out there. You know, they're just camping out there because they were in between places and they didn't seem to mind so much. They bought nice RVs, remember? Oh yeah, yeah. So they're just basically camping as as an address for a while. And at, at this time, before Malala became like a scenic river corridor, um, they had a two week limit on where you can stay. And these guys had a, a place that is now called the Bigfoot Campsite, although that you can't get to it now. Um, there's a bunch of giant rocks at the location, stop anyone from driving in there. But it's about I don't know, maybe a mile short of the bridge, right at the base of the. Um, the Table Rock Wilderness area on the right hand side, these big rocks stop you from driving in there. And like Mark would be there for two weeks and Steve would be somewhere else. Then after two weeks, when they had to move, they would just switch camps. So there was somebody occupying this location all the time. Um, and they started seeing Sasquatches and the Bigfoots didn't seem to mind for the most part. Um, they found footprints, lots of good sightings came out of there, neat vocalizations. Really, the, the mid-late 90s was, was the heyday of the Malala Bigfoot scene because people were there all the time. I think it was a heyday right this time, too. Well, no one's working at it. And it's all shut down. No one can get in right now. Yeah, and Ori, too. Ori saw, yeah, he saw some interesting things out there. Ori was, oh, wait. Bigfoot Files. Former Oregon Governor Ted Kulingowski tried to pass a law in 1977 that would make it illegal to what? A. Falsely report a Bigfoot sighting. B. Harass a Bigfoot. Or C. Make Bigfoot howls after 10 p.m. A. Is it A? B? I think it's B. We'll see. B. I got it. Harass a Bigfoot. Yeah, he tried to pass a bill. It didn't pass. It didn't go through. But um, he did actually try to do that, so... Was it like April Fool's Day or something? I don't think so. I don't think so in this case. Maybe though it was, though. I don't really know. In the museum here, we're going to do something where Bigfoot and the law kind of meet, you know. So I, I need to dig that up and find out a little bit more about it. Right. But, you know, Ori there, um, the father, he actually saw a Sasquatch clapping one time. He's one of my three data points for Bigfoot's probably making or possibly making uh, knocking noises by clapping. What was that story again? He was, I can't remember. He was in a, his RV, I think, at one of these spots, probably the Bigfoot campsite, and he heard, you know, knocking at like pop, pop, like outside. And he goes, What is that? What is that? And like he looked out the window, and I don't, maybe he didn't see anything when he looked out the window. Maybe he did. I can't remember how, the order. But then he looked out the door, and he, and there was a Sasquatch squatting down, like, um, I guess near his trailer. Maybe he looked over it through the window, or maybe I'm getting the story wrong. But nonetheless, he looked out and he saw a Sasquatch squatting down and bringing his arms together, just like, like banging and then like clapping um, once every, you know, periodic piece of time. So yeah, he observed a Sasquatch clapping, making those knocking noises. Bun, bun. We had a soul connection. I was so mad when that producer sent it back to the pet store. I'm like, I told you I was going to take her home. And she sent her back. And then I went to go pick her up when we got the day off, and they'd already sold her. Yeah, and for our people who are not watching along with us but listening, Bun Bun is the rabbit that we used. Um, we put a rabbit in a cage with glow sticks on it, trying to attract a Sasquatch in. Now, of course, the rabbit was in, not in danger. We actually got grief about this. Um, 
people were saying that we were being cruel to animals and all this sort of stuff. But I'm not sure that I even mean, I think if a Sasquatch came in, maybe that would be cruel. But Bun Bun was well taken care of. We were never more than, say, 100 yards away from Bun Bun. And really, with all the lights and everything, how, how's a Bigfoot going to sneak by us and get that thing? And if it did, it'd be worth it. Bumbo was ready to dive on that sword for science advancement. Well, aren't we all, though? Aren't we all? And, of course, Bobo took affinity to the rabbit. Bobo named it Bun Bun. Makes sense. Paul Graves has a song about it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. We need to see if we can get a hold of that for this episode. Man, it's really storming hard down here. Okay, so it looks like the, the, the lights on the rabbit cage are being moved around a bit. Maybe Bun-Bun is just shifting his weight inside the cage, or maybe something else is going on. I wasn't sure what was going on that night. Okay, back from commercial break. Okay, so the glow sticks are moving under the cage. We're Thurman. We don't see anything in there. It was weird. So, yeah, it's just more uh, OTF stuff on the fly is what that's uh, 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 an abbreviation for. I thought we had one coming in, maybe. It's a good area. It wasn't far from there that we got vocalizations a few nights later. Oh, yeah, we got a knock. I forgot about that. No. No. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're asking, did you guys do a knock? And of course, Matt's answer was no. He's always pressed out the. He's always do that Lenny and Squiggy from the Vern Shirley. Hello. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Okay, yeah. So Bobo did not get to keep Bun Bun, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, so we got a hit basically that night. Uh, there might have been a Sasquatch nearby, so we came back another night. I don't know if it was the next night or what. I don't remember. It was a few nights. With a sound system. And then um, Matt and I went up on the ledge there. And here, we are, here we are setting up our sound system here, 500 watts worth of it. Um, and we're, uh, we actually went up Horse Creek is where we were up in the uh, Malala area. And kind of circled back around so we'd have an expanse to blast down into the valley in case something's down there listening. That was a good system. I think crank. Oh, that's when that's when Maker fell asleep, remember? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. A little foreshadowing there for you. And we're explaining the 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 the, the plan right now. We're talking about doing the vocalizations, and then um, Renee and Bobo are going to hop on electric motorcycles and go piddling around. And, of course, you guys got to do that because you're the two with the motorcycle license. 
Nowadays, we probably just use those electric bicycles. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. Oh, they're way better than the motorcycles were. Yeah, Renee was the only licensed motorcycle person. Remember, she crashed when we were in Indo, just fully made money make her crash. Oh, oh, in Indonesia. Yeah, but uh, I thought you had a motorcycle license, Bobo. No, I lied. You just lied? Okay, perfect. I told her, well, I'd owned motorcycles and I rode them a lot, so I was comfortable riding them. But a license, forget that. Oh, no. Yes, if people don't know, Renee's father was a semi-well-known daredevil that had one of the most insane motorcycle wrecks of all time, jumping buses or cars or something. Cars. Something. John Holland. Look it up on YouTube. John Holland. Oh, was it John Holland? Okay. Yep. Yeah, her dad was a famous motocross guy in the in the in the era of Evil Knievel, you know. He was the poor man's Evil Knievel. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, the South Dakota Evil Knievel. Because Renee, of course, grew up in South Dakota. Yeah, he took some spills over the years. I mean, he, he had a, a, a like a record or something of like one of the worst wrecks, I think. Yeah, that's the one where he jumped the cars and he wrecked like five vehicles with his body. Oh, geez. Now this is interesting. We actually weren't blasting. Um, didn't we? Bl- didn't we blast Ori's thing or didn't work? Is that right? Ori had a vocalization. And this is the Ohio howl that Matt recorded. And then it started warming up, like the clouds came in, and it started getting hot. We were walking around everywhere. So I, I was taking off my jacket and all that, and I set the parabolic down. And Oh, no, we got a call from the network in New York saying, emergency, emergency, one of your cameras isn't working. We got all this footage with no sound on one of the cameras. And it was a camera with my team, so we had to stop, pull the tapes out, everything shut down, shut down sound. I'm, I hate to interrupt, but the vocalizations are going right now, Bobo. Here, let's listen again real fast. Yep, there we go. I'm sorry, Bobo, I'm in the middle of your story there. I blew it. Sorry about that. Okay, yeah, so the vocalizations are going off right now. You know, it's, it's funny. I was on top of the hill. Me- Matt had sat down for a few minutes and actually fell asleep when the vocalizations were going. And Hamill was up there with us. So he he grabbed it and we filmed it and everything. So we got some reactions and everything. Uh, but yeah, we got awesome vocalizations recorded. I think, wasn't he asleep and didn't hit stop and it kept playing? No, 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 no. I was doing the um, vocalization. I was, we're doing the blasts like that. And then about 20 minutes later, the things responded. And he had fallen asleep in the meantime. And then, of course, we're trying to figure out where you guys were and try to triangulate and stuff and get down the hill and uh, get as close as we can to these things. We heard the best vocalizations I heard in the whole show that night, and all the all our gear was turned off for like five minutes, and that's when it happened. Well, we got it all, luckily. Actually, the, the I got the recorder. Uh, I got the recording on my recorder and you can hear it again. I, I feel like I'm plugging my website too much. Sorry guys. But if you want to hear it, go to my website, cliffberkman.com and look for the horse Creek vocalizations. But it didn't sound anything like what we heard in person. No, they never do, man. The, the recordings just never sound like they do with your own ears.
Oh gosh, we're looking, so we're going off into the woods now. It looks like to try to get closer to where the sounds came from. Oh, and then you see this uh, warm spot on the ground. I forgot about that. Did you pee there? No. All right. So, yeah, you're talking about how you've seen lots of urine in the therm, Bobes. Well, so have you. That's true. That's true. But I'm telling you, looking at you in the, on these interviews, man, your hair was quite curly, Bobo. Yeah, natural. Kind of like, like you know, Lord Fauntleroy sort of like curly. That's when HMP used to do my hair for me. Heavy metal Pat? Yep. Yep. Here's my hair since... Uh, you definitely took some you took some time for your hair. Then it paid off, I'd say too, in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're trying I remember this, we were walking towards each other on the road for about a mile or two apart, um trying to get one to come in close. And spoiler alert, we failed. I thought for sure we were going to get him that night. I was positive. Yeah, there were a couple times over the years I thought we were going to get him for sure on camera. You got to hit on a therm, see what's going on. Oh, that's us coming up, isn't it? Yeah. Renee was a good hiker. Oh, yeah. So it was money for – well, back then, I, I actually, I could, I could go all night back then, too. And Moneymaker – Moneymaker shocks everyone because he's kind of a little bit plumper, but he can hike for all night, no problem. Okay, so this is kind of the is this the final thing? I think it is where we're getting together and saying, "Yep, we tried and didn't." If I was holding the parabolic in the right direction when it happened, we would have got the best. Some of the best calls ever. Oh, look, this is audio from Cliff's digital recorder. They gave me credit for it. That's nice of them. Because it came close. It was because those calls were way closer to us than you guys. We heard them way louder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Luck, but we had some elevation, too. So that helped us. All right. So. There we go. That's the end of the episode there. Finding Bigfoot, the Oregon episode, the very, very first Oregon episode here. I'm going to go ahead and push pause. Oh, we didn't even push pause the entire time. We just talked through the whole thing. Whoops. Oh, well, no big deal. No big deal. Cool. Right on, folks. Well, thanks for watching and listening with us. Send in those comments. And until next week, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond. That's an N in the middle. And tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 